Hello again. Uh, I'm Morgan Roberts, one of several retired uh, pastors whose delight and privilege it is to be worshiping at Church of the Palms and enjoying the friendship and pastoral leadership of Pastor Steve McConnell. We're going to uh, read a passage from the 10th chapter of Acts today. Let me just remark that when I first went into the ministry, I used to carry a little New Testament about the size of a cell phone. Uh, it had the Psalms in it, and I could use that especially when I was making hospital calls. I never dreamed there would be a day when I would have a little phone and in it was the entire Bible in several versions in Greek and in Hebrew, plus a lot of other books, and that you could expand the print so that when you finally got to my age, you could see what you were reading, which is a long way of saying that I'm going to read off my cell phone today uh, the opening verses, the 16 verses, of the 10th chapter of Acts. Uh, there are 40, 48 verses in the whole chapter, but I'll tell you more about them. For now, uh, we get things going with the first 16 verses. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household, and gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. He stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? He answered, Your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his slaves and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him, and after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey, and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry, wanted something to eat, and while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven opened, and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, uh, By no means. By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean that is, anything that is not kosher. The voice said to him again a second time, 
What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, let me tell you some background as we go on so you know what's going to happen with the rest of this very long chapter. At this point in the history of the church, all Christians are Jewish. It has not occurred to anyone, especially the chief apostle Peter, that the message of Jesus was meant to be shared with Gentiles. That's just the way they felt about it. And uh, so at this point, all Christians are Jewish. And now Peter is being invited uh, by a Roman centurion, a military officer, to come up to his house and share something. Well, he goes up there, and uh, Cornelius has assembled quite a group, family and friends, and they are waiting to hear some word from Peter. Well, Peter starts out uh, humorously, in a sense, and says, you know, I'm not even supposed to be here. Uh, I'm not supposed to be mingling uh, with Gentiles, but God has told me in a dream that it's not supposed to be that way anymore. So he starts to preach, to tell them the story of Jesus, and while he is preaching, the Holy Spirit descends upon them. Uh, some begin speaking in tongues. Uh, others believe and want to be baptized. It, it's like a, a mini revival just takes place while he's speaking. And when this happens, Peter says something that is extraordinary. As a matter of fact, it's a verse from Scripture that you'll never hear a sermon on, at least I never have. And what Peter says is, I now see how true it is that God has no favorites. In every nation, anyone who does what is right is accepted by him. And immediately we want to say, no, Peter, that's not the way it is. That's not the way you preach to these Gentiles. That's against everything we've always been taught about preaching the gospel. Your message to them is uh, you are uh, a sinner, you're lost, you're bound for hell until you accept Jesus as Savior. Your good works, like it says elsewhere, your good works are like filthy rags. Your good works are not going to save you. Now, of course, Peter at this point has a disadvantage. Uh, a few years back, Paul has been converted, hasn't started writing his uh, letters. He, so Peter doesn't have the advantage of something that Paul said uh, in his letter to the Ephesians when he said, before the foundation of the world, before there was even a planet, before all of this stuff in Genesis, before Adam and Eve and all that stuff, God decided to make a world, to make a planet, and on it to put his children. 
so that everyone that is born is destined for adoption as a child of God. He doesn't know that everybody's already a child of God. So he doesn't expect, expect to think that Cornelius could possibly hear a message from God, but that's the way it is. And so it's no surprise if everyone's a child of God, adopted as such, whether they know it or not, that once in a while, God is going to get through to us and speak through one of his Gentile children. And that's what happens. And uh, it's a turnaround in the church. Uh, it sets the, 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 the goal of winning the Gentile world. No longer just a little Jewish thing, but now the whole Gentile world. And uh, that's essentially what happens. I want to read to you something, tell you something. This little book here was given to me in 1977, according to a note in the front. I was in my Michigan church, and uh, somehow through the denomination it was set up that for a two-week period we would entertain a visiting theologian. And the one that sent to us was named Dr. Rita Rudra. She was the granddaughter of the famous S.K. Rudra, the first Native Indian to be the president uh, of an Indian college. And she gave me this little book, and it was about uh, an old friend of the family. As a ma matter of fact, he was the friend of millions. But he'd come by, and she, she knew him, uh, C.F. Andrews. And what was interesting about Andrews is that he came to India as a Church of England missionary. He came to India uh, to carry Christ there, to save the heathen. And he had a fantastic discovery that Jesus was there ahead of time. He sensed the presence of Christ with these people so that he spent the rest of his life, instead of trying to convert them, to work with them and with their problems. And he became so famous in India. He was the only native uh, English citizen, except for the queen, whose picture ever appeared on an Indian postage stamp. And he was given a name, Dinabandhu, friend of the poor, because millions of people were touched by his work that he did working with the people of God in India because he learned that Jesus was there ahead of time and that Jesus was somehow in touch with every life. Toward the end of his life, he wrote something interesting, and I've got that, this in the largest print I could get from my computer. And he said this, what I have been seeking to learn all these years through storm and stress goes right back to the character of God himself as it, is, as it is revealed to us in Christ. It means that God, our Heavenly Father, whose nature and character Christ came to teach us, is truly the Father of all mankind and not of any single race, 
or sect or creed. He is no tribal God. He favors no denomination. He is bound up with no race. He loves all of humankind. His mercy is over all his works and his goodness made known to all the children of men. He is no respecter of persons and even those who outwardly appear to deny him are still his children embraced in the arms of his love. In other words, Jesus was there ahead of time. Uh, if you believe that about God, that we're all his children, it's no surprise that Peter went up there and was able to say in every nation, whoever does what is right is acceptable to God. You know, that's a truth that still pertains today. Jesus is always ahead of us. Sometime today or tomorrow, you're going to meet someone, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's uh, an acquaintance in your business it's for the first time. But hear this, Jesus is ahead of you. Jesus is already in touch with them. They may not know it. They may not be able to put it to words. But Jesus is working in every life, and particularly in those people with whom you're going to have converse today or tomorrow. He's working in their life to prepare them for the day when suddenly the truth about Jesus is going to come alive in their lives. And it's going to happen because of your friendship, something you say or something you don't say, some question you answer for them. But he's there already. He's ahead of you. And it may be that through your life, the story of Jesus may be whole, told to, to them. And wasn't it that way with our lives? He was always ahead of us, even when we were tiny and didn't know the story of Jesus. And at the right moment, somehow or other, he made us alive in Christ, and we came to know him as our own. May God make this true in your life, and let us give thanks for the Christ who is in every life and who is always there ahead of us. Amen. <laughs>